Girl, listen. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Girl, Listen. I'm Brittany. I'm Nishana. I'm Anna. I'm Nigeria. I'm so excited because today we have a very special guest, um, a very good friend of mine that I met at the University of Georgia, Alonzo Hall. So we really appreciate you for joining us. Can you give our listeners a little more info about yourself or a lot, whatever you want to let them know? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, as Brittany stated, my name is Alonzo. Um, just to give a quick rundown of our background of who I am, I am currently a uh, second master's student uh, back in school getting a master's in accounting. Um, before I jumped into this uh, work of finance and budgeting and all of that good stuff, um, I majored in finance planning at the University of Georgia and uh, worked in banking since I was uh, at the age of 16. Uh, I started working at a bank in my local city in which I grew up in. And I uh, that is where I learned or saw there was a big need for uh, bigger or better financial education among uh, minorities. Mm-hmm. And so that um, pushed me to want to learn more about that in college. And as I have continued to learn more and just be a part of uh, different uh, communities, I've seen that that is still something that's very important within um, just like, I wouldn't just say minorities, but just people in general of knowing more about your finances. And so my background is I have a bachelor's in financial planning and a master's in economics. And within a year, or by next June, hopefully I have a master's in accounting and I will be a certified CPA uh, very soon after that. Yes. Um, okay, so. Okay, so. Let me know if you want to sponsor a child. This is Nashawn, and I'm available to be sponsored. Okay? <laughs> right. I'll send you one of them cards they used to send. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so that's pretty much who I am, uh, a small academic background of who I, who I am. Uh, and yes, me and Brittany met at the University of Georgia, the best school in Atlanta. Where do you live now, though? So currently I live in um, Brooklyn, New York. I um, kind of live a, tr- a non-traditional, uh, live a non-traditional lifestyle. And so although my academic background is business, I have spent the last six years as a classroom um, teacher, a math teacher specifically in middle school. Uh, and someone may ask why or what made me choose that route versus going into uh, the financial education or financial world. Uh, when in graduate school, I noticed that there were many, um, many students. Uh, I'm sorry, I attended graduate school at Virginia State University, which is an HBCU. And so while there, I noticed that many of the students lack um, great math skills or firm, firm math skills that would get them through college. And so I did a lot of tutoring in the residence hall in which I was a graduate assistant. And so that kind of pushed me to say, well, where could I uh, have a bigger impact? in my work and so I, I knew with my research that working in a middle school teaching math would be something that would help uh, so many people get so many students and just uh, minorities in general get to a better place and so uh, that led me to going into education and essentially here in New York City. Nice. Yeah. That's really good. Holistic. So yeah and you really like it's very important like you said you mentioned just because in uh, minorities um, about finances just in general. I think yeah. growing up, 
at least I can speak for my parents, they did their best to teach me as much as they could. But the older I got, the more I realized it was so much more mm-hmm. to it. Um, and it wasn't that, I mean, like I said, they did the best that they could. But again, it's, it's so much information out there that a lot of people do not know. Right. That we need to know because finances, no matter what, is very important. It literally drives your life. life. Yeah. yeah, like you. I'm not sure I understand. Okay, Siri. The real understanding. Okay, Okay, Siri's part of the conversation today. She need help. Right. We all need help. So, Zoe, um, one thing, are you married or are you, do you have a girlfriend or partner, partner, or partner anything? That's a funny one. No, I am <laughs> definitely not married. Uh, actually, not really looking to be married right now. Uh, I'm in a place where, I mean, as I stated, I'm, a, I'm in college right now. So, my focus right now is, is honestly trying to, or, or learning this material as best as I can to be the best um, accountant that I can be and So, that's my focus right now. So, no, I'm not married. Um, no. Okay. There, so I can still That's Bye. fine. That's okay. One day, maybe, or whatever you decide. But uh, one of the questions that we see a lot, just in general, because all of us, except for Brittany, <laughs> <laughs> are in relationships, marriages, and things as such. And one of the biggest questions is really how to create and stick to a budget um, when the views, when financial views, views are very different from each other. So the wife and the husband or the girlfriend and the boyfriend or whatever you decide in your partnership, however you, you know, title yourself, the, when the views are different, how do you create and stick to a budget that helps for the family? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a great, great topic, a great, um, great topic. One of the things I wanted to say about that is I think it's, one, it's, it's awesome that you and the partner are, you know, those two people have, have made the decision that they want to have a budget. That's like the first step. you gotta got to at least want to have it in order to get better or to do better. Uh, something that's important, I think, uh, and I'm not a relationship expert at all, as I stated, I'm single. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you had that's okay. I think something that's super important that a lot of individuals fail to do is to speak about a budget or speak about finances before they go into a seriously committed relationship. And so the relationship has now, I guess, harvested and you're like deep in and one person believes that, you know, they should pay bills whenever they feel they, they want to. And another person kind of believes something totally different. Right. Um, and when you're, when you're with someone who kind of have two, two views of, of finances, that can be super hard. It's really hard to, to get people on the same or even in a middle ground. And so I think before people jump, if you are single, uh, before you get into a serious relationship, uh, it may be really important to have that conversation with your, your, your person that you're, that you're dating or the person that you're interested in before you move into a serious relationship. Uh, if you are in a place where you are with your, your life partner, and I want to be the person who says, leave them now. If you're with your life partner, <laughs> um, I would say uh, one of the most important things is to talk about what's important. Uh, when I was an undergrad in my financial planning program, uh, there was this, uh, we learned about discretionary and non-discretionary income. And mm-hmm. so 
as an advisor, there were times when we wanted, we would have mock, or we would have like uh, case studies that we would do. And there were times when we would have clients who came and clients on the case study who wanted to pay, let's say they wanted to pay $800 a month for their child's uh, skating lessons. Mm -hmm. Although they couldn't afford it, that was something that they really wanted and they could not, they didn't want to sacrifice that. Uh, and so if you think about your situa situation, there may be something that you and your spouse, um, real, that you really like doing, but you don't want to sacrifice doing it. Although you know that by sacrificing this, this will definitely help the budget. Um, we were taught that it's, it's important not to take away those important things that, that really matter. Uh, I mean, if you're out shopping every week and you say this really matters to me, then that may be a different conversation, but <laughs> if it's something that's really important that kind of keeps the sanity among you and among your, your household, then that's something to look at differently. Uh, but I think what's most important is you and your you and your spouse. You have to identify what are those important things that you that you know you have to have or that you must pay for each month. And so for me. Uh, rent is something that we we can't negotiate about. Mm -hmm. That's something that we that I can't say I'll pay this month and next month we'll wait. Mm -hmm. uh, and I so listing listing right. <laughs> out those things is going to be super important. One, I mean, and as you see when that list happens, you won't you probably won't agree with everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, when that part happens, I think what's important is that the household expenses are the things that where the compromises, I guess, ha don't really happen because those are things that have to be paid, i.e. rent, uh, light bill, whatever other bills that keep the house running, groceries, those things that can't be, can't be, um, they can't be neglected. And so because of that, it's important that those things are listed. And if, say, for instance, you and your partner don't agree with how to do the budget, uh, the first step would be possibly coming up with a maybe an account where you two put in for those things that have to keep that have to be used to keep the household together. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, once that money is there, once you know how much money is needed to pay for the bills, maybe you say, "Well, with the rest of your money, uh, you do what you want, and mm -hmm. I'll do what I want." And so that way, you know that at least your expenses are taken care of. Um, I've heard of some couples doing that, and it works for them. So one of the conversations was whether or not to get a joint account or a separate account and how to realistically budget that joint account with using your separate account. And I find that a lot of relationships or partnerships that get together later in life do better with a joint account and that separate account. Because you have to think about certain people they they're used to being able to manage their money by themselves and not having to include anybody. But I'm, over time, or if you're earlier into that relationship, you're able to have a joint account as soon as um, as soon as you get together or married. You it's something different. Uh, well, me household. and Eric, we have a joint account and we each had our separate accounts. And we took this after his um, his brother and sister told us like they literally would take like they would come up with a amount per month. Mm -hmm. So you would take like, say you say, okay, well, I really only need like $500 a month for mm -hmm. my personal expenses. You would take that 500 and then throw the rest into the joint account. Mm -hmm. And what do y'all have? What did you all have before? Well, before me, before like, Oh, you mean, so I mean, before y'all talk to his, um, or your brother, sister, -in -law. 
we had our kind of similar. We had our um, separate accounts, but we would throw money into the joint just to cover the oh, bills. Okay. But then you find like you would forget a bill, stuff or something. and then not only that, we have kids, yeah. so we needed money in there for them as well. So now right. we put all the money into the joint and <clears throat> excuse me and keep a little bit to the side for your personal. Mm-mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Zoe, another thing that I realized. Uh, oh, Kira, you said you had something to say. Oh, what do y'all uh, do? Oh what? no. Um, so one of the things that um, I use currently is Mint. I use that. Uh, well, I fake use that. I really try because budgeting is hard, realistically, because every month there's something different. Um, what do you mean? And to a certain, I won't say it's just hard. It's just you know, some months I want to eat out more, and you know. But I guess that would defeat the purpose of the actual budget. Well, yeah, do you set like a certain amount? Like, who has that? What is that um, envelope method? Zo, do you know what I'm talking about? Where you set aside a certain yeah, amount I'm for like, every I'm category? I'm taking notes over here. I'm like, I got to make sure I say this. I got to make sure I say this. <laughs> okay. uh, two points. Um, one thing, uh, can't, I can't remember your name. Someone mentioned uh, budgeting is hard and I have to, I, it changes every month. That was um, Perfect, perfect statement. So, with the budget, most people don't know this. You, you, ideally, you should set a budget every month at the mm. start of a new month. So maybe at the end of, of, of August, you know, for September, you and your partner or yourself, you're going to sit down and do a budget. And so every month, you should have a budget that you create for yourself. And so most people don't do that. Mm. But it, it, it's better to actually create a budget monthly. Mm. Because as she stated, things change. Maybe this month three of my best friends birthday are this month versus next month I have to travel for a wedding or whatever it may be. And so that's going to change the way your spending is happening because, you know, if you're in a different city, you may spend a little bit more. And so your budget, you should budget monthly versus let me do a budget for the year and this is what I'm doing for the year. Because if we think about anything in our lives that we've planned out, we usually have to make adjustments to the plan. And so you want to make adjustments monthly to make sure that you know what's happening with your month each month versus I planned it out for the year. Yeah, that that uh, actually makes a lot more sense. And it seems a lot more doable because yeah. before if I'm budgeting the same budget every month, it can get pretty overwhelming. My, um, yep. my difficulty is actually getting my partner to want to be a part of the budgeting budget. process. Girl, yeah. he... It's like pulling teeth when we talk about like, finances. Sit down. Girl. Let's talk about this. And he did it not has like to be to talking about, about it. Why, why don't, is that a man thing or? No, because oh, his no. brother is a finance person. And, yeah, and, and his, his wife person. is the one who doesn't like mm, to talk about it. It's like it. a personal. So, yeah, yeah I think it's I more think it's personal. personal. I think a lot of it has to do with, well, I won't say a lot of it, but personally, because my husband is the finance like person, but personally for me, it was more of a, um, I guess ignorance thing or just what I did not know. And so you don't want to feel like you just don't know. So Eric, then you don't talk about Eric it or don't want to talk about it. a degree with a concentration in finance. So he definitely knows. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out. What right. it is. Yeah. So that's why I was like, personally, <laughs> mine was, and it wasn't that I didn't know a lot of when X wanted to talk about it. I was in dental school. Baby, I'm trying to finish this. I don't care about no credit and all this stuff right now. I'm trying to get out of school so what, that eventually I can pay these bills. What did you say, Kira? What did you say, Kira? I was just going to say, Eric is a Pisces like me, and we are very impulsive. So when it comes, because I know with me and Shedrick, we 
Well, he's the finance person and I'm the spender. And he got on to me this weekend. He was like, we have not did the budget. So what are you spending? And I'm like, well, <laughs> For Xavier's birthday party, he was like, but we didn't go over the budget. Because we go over the budget every two weeks. Ooh. And we have to sit down. Yeah. And so I struggle because it's like, I want it now. Mm. And he's like, no, but we can't get it now. And yeah. I struggle with that because I'm not working and he's working. So it's like, that's where our, I think that's where we butt heads at because it's like, uh, I want this, but I can't get it because we ain't did no budget or it's like I want to spend but it's only one income mm-hmm. so I think that's where we struggle because it's only one income and it's kind of hard when you got three kids and a whole household Ooh. and you got one but there's also me yeah. at the same time so it's just like uh what do I what can I sacrifice yeah so that's our that's our understandable struggle. that's definitely we, understandable yeah, that's definitely our struggle as well but Erica, go ahead and just buy just it. Just get it. <laughs> yeah. And then we just, then we, then we not talking. We right. just be looking at each that, other. That is definitely me. Ex is like, well, let's wait until next month. Boy, I already bought it. I was just, <laughs> I was just asking to be nice. Uh, <laughs> um, I think something that's, something that's important to bring up, too, is that Brittany, Brittany said uh, she heard the envelope message. Yes. And that was something that I had uh, written down to talk about. So, this may work for for you as well, for one of you as well. Um, so the envelope method, essentially, what that is, is uh, for the money that you're spending each month, you set aside envelopes for those for different categories. And so, for instance, if you know that each month you spend about three hundred dollars in shopping, uh, like clothes shopping or just personal shopping, you set three hundred dollars in the envelope, and it's labeled as personal spending. And so whenever you go or whenever you get ready to go to the mall or wherever it is that you shop, you, you take money from that from that envelope. At the end of the month, when the money is completely out, then you spend all the spending that you could do for that particular account. Mm-hmm. The following month, you reload the envelope, mm-hmm. and then you're back to the $300 or the dollar amount that you set for that particular account. Um, and that allows the person to now not overspend because the money is already set aside of how much I'm going to spend for each particular uh, category or account. And and that way it kind of manages itself without having to say, well, did I overspend in this particular area? Because you haven't, you can't add additional money. The money yeah. is already it's, set aside. And so yeah. once it's spent, it's spent. Once it's gone, it's yeah. gone. So we talked about um, definitely the envelope method. Are there any other resources or website, apps, anything at all? Suggestions. That, any suggestions at all? Uh, just to make it, I guess, easier. Make it make not necessarily discussions. I, the discussions will always be per you know per relationship, hard or easy or whatever the case is. But any type of suggestions or resource resources that people can use. Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, I tried to Google this. I was like, let me see if there's anything out there. Uh, biggest thing that I would say is uh, some people, a lot. I don't use those, but a lot of people use the, the budget apps that are there. And you can literally uh, type in budget apps on your app uh, search. Uh, and Mint is like a really popular one. I think someone mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. That one's really good. It connects, it links to your bank account. And so it will literally show you where you're doing a lot of spending and then mm-hmm. will then send you notifications mm-hmm. over the month and, and say, uh, you did a you did a lot of spending in this area. Yeah. So it lets you know I get an email like, every day. <laughs> and when you 
overspent in certain areas. Yeah. You can set different goals within the, the app. Uh, and so that is one that I use for a little bit, but it's just not one that I that I strictly to. use because mm-hmm. there's, I, I mean, I'm kind of like a pen, pen and paper way. Mm-hmm. But um, I would suggest like having those conversations is the first step. Uh, creating the budget and then it's something kind of like a sport as you do it more and more it becomes easier and mm-hmm. then also the conversations become easier as well yeah. if it's something that's new between a spouse or a couple uh, then it, of course the conversation may be hard but if this is something that you're doing uh, every month or every week then clearly that conversation has to get easier mm-hmm. because it's something that's kind of you know that you guys are doing all the time uh, so having a conversation and just making sure that you're you're living up to the the budget that you set is going to be the best the best thing that you could possibly do. And then of course make adjustments when necessary. Yes, I have a question. So I personally use um, it's like a Google spreadsheet that I got from a financial advisor. Yep. But what do you yep. use personally, though? Like, do you use pen and paper? Yep. Use a spreadsheet uh, or? Yeah, so I use a, um, I have an Excel uh, spreadsheet that uh, someone gave me back, like, li- right before I graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's literally the same one that I've used. I just, I've added in additional uh, rows of, like, this is now something that I have or this is an expense that I have. But essentially, it's a spreadsheet that uh, allows me to put my income at the top, and then I just add in my uh, bills for the month or whatever it is that I'm spending out and then it it shows me where where i'm spending or it lets me budget my money for that uh something i didn't name that is also important i think it's important to make sure that you know where every every dollar is going mm. and so someone that i know a few people named earlier that we kind of just uh take out 500 or take out so much and throw the rest into an account i think it's, it's you'll see if you begin to budget uh, that you benefit more when you know where every dollar of your money is going. Every and dollar? So what does that mean? Yeah, so what that means is that I know that uh, the twenty. I know that this amount of money has gone into our savings account. I know that this money has gone into our child's college savings account. So you know where every bit of your money is going, and there isn't any questions of, well, did I spend money here, or mm. what happened to those $25? Yeah. You always know. Uh, and, I mean, we're talking about our money here. So, I mean, right. it's kinda, it sounds like a lot. It is. But it does. That, that, yeah, that becomes super important, and it, it benefits you a lot by knowing where your money is going. And so, I know where your money is going. <laughs> what you'll see, that's why those budgeting uh, uh, apps and those different things that you use will say, You've overspent, or it actually shows you how much you spent in different different areas where you're spending, because it wants you to know where are you spending your money, and that mm-hmm. is one of the biggest tools itself that helps you change your spending. If you know that you're spending most of your money on, I don't know, uh, something that that may seem like really silly to you, mm-hmm. then that will then show you, okay, I need to make a change because mm-hmm. I'm spending. $700 a month on alcohol or whatever it may be. Yeah, you know, that yeah, and that's real. That Man used to real. read me like a book. It seemed judgmental. It was like, you're spending $500 on food. I'm like, no, I, ain't, I can't afford to eat that much in a month. Like, what you mean? You'd be surprised like how much goes to food when you so, eat out. So, just really quick, I do have an Excel sheet, so that's what I do, so I kind of know where everything is going. So, I think yeah. when I come to him with the finances, he says he feels personally attacked. attacked. And I don't want it to be a personal attack, but I want it to be 
a personal you. attack. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have spent all of this. You have. But just to, um, more with finances, I know I've quit a million jobs and got hired at another million. So we have right. to fill out like the W-2 forms and all that. Well, actually, not the W-2. What's the form that you, is that the W-2? Yeah, W-2. Where you fill out when you get hired? Yeah, or 1099 independent contractor. And that's the time where everybody's looking like we don't know how to fill this out. Yes. So can you yeah. go into a little more detail of how, like, what's the best way to fill them out? If you have kids, dependents, no dependents, how, or what's the easiest way? And what's the best way that you're going to make sure you get all your coins? Yeah. Um, and so one thing to note is uh, a lot of, everyone always wants a tax refund. Um, one thing to note, a tax refund essentially is, it means that this is the money that you overpay mm-hmm. in taxes. It doesn't mean that this is, some people have beliefs that this is money that the government owes you. I mean, it is money that you're owed, but essentially it's money that you have overpaid when paying taxes. Uh, and so that's a super important question of like, how do I, how do I budget? Or how do I set up my, my W-2 where I'm not like overpaying it? Of course, everyone wants a refund, but more so people don't want to have to pay back. So most importantly, one, you have to make sure that you are paying taxes. There are some people who... Uh, I have a few cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> who kind of like change their W two form or their, or their forms at their at their job so that they are able to to manipulate the system, which yeah. is just crazy to me. But yeah. that's a, I guess a different conversation. You don't want no problems uh, with the IRS. I do not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest thing there is going to be. Uh, making sure that you are that you have identified the total number of dependents that you have, and that you your income is reflecting that you're taking that out. Uh, and so you don't want to say that you have zero dependents because you're you if you don't if you have more than zero dependents. Mm-hmm. Even if you're single, you want to uh, still have money uh, being deducted from your from your income. Uh, I will honestly say I don't want to tell someone how to fill out that form mm-hmm. one because. As a new as a new student in accounting, that's going to be something that's going to be something that I learned extensively, and so I don't want to say the wrong thing okay. with that now. So I'll I'll leverage and say like Google or either ask a CPA uh, that that they can advise you better, uh, simply because it's something that I'm learning now, and I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing with that. Uh, so the basic things that I can say about uh, about those funds is just that information is. Making sure that you have money coming out is going to be the best thing. And if you are so, if you are a uh, business owner, meaning that you don't work for someone else uh, and you pay your own taxes, it's going to be important that you budget each month, that you add into your budget each month taxes that you'll pay back when the income tax day comes around. Uh, because yeah. if you are a sole proprietor, meaning that you don't pay, your taxes aren't taken mm-hmm. out, then you have to pay that money back. And so um, oftentimes what doesn't happen is that someone who owns their own business, they don't take the money out. And so they end up owing money, Mm. owing the taxes, and they haven't budgeted for that. Mm. And so it ends up being like this huge burden of how am I going to pay this versus planning for that throughout the year. And so when it comes, you're not ready to attack that. Should it be like a percentage they take out? Yeah, so great, great question. Um, usually, you're a, a business owner probably will pay. Don't quote me on this, but I think I read recently actually about thirty percent. So, if you could budget 
uh, having in between 30 to 40% of the income uh, throughout the year. Um, Go to taxes? To pay <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's not saying that you're going to pay it, but it's just saying that you have that, that available. Have because it. what you don't want to happen is that your taxes get completed, and then the, the person who's filling it out, hopefully a CPA, says that you owe this $20,000 and you yeah. only have 10. Yeah. Okay. I mean, then you're kind of in a place where you got to set up a payment plan or you have to do something. And so it's better to have it versus saying, I'm not going to save anything and then I have to figure out how am I going to pay it. Yeah, Understood. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That does. So um, with all of the tax information, we're going to go into um, one of the biggest things that I think with any person, because this is what this is what life is about. Uh, credits, credit scores. Um, can you tell us different ways of how to leverage your credit or how to increase your credit scores and what actually matters? Right. So everything like, about important? credit that we need to know. What is leveraging credit? When somebody's like, girl, you know you got to leverage your credit. I'm like, yeah, girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what, what, is that? what does that mean? Okay. Um, something I wanted to say, make sure I'm not, you know, something I forgot to mention, I wrote this note down earlier, was that uh, if your income is $56,000 or less, there's this program or this, I guess it's a program that's out there that's called VITA, V-I-T-A, VITA or VITA. Uh, it's, it's Volunteer Income Tax. I called it services. I'm not sure what the A stands for. Uh, but when I was an undergrad, uh, I worked with this organization, and they're essentially um, connected with the IRS. And so... They complete your taxes for you for free if your income is fifty six thousand or less. Okay. And so a lot of people, you know, go to uh, the H, you know different different people who provide those services and they have to pay a fee. Versus there are services out there that will complete your taxes for free. Uh, and so it's important when tax season comes around that you look for those services if you qualify. So if your income is fifty six thousand dollars or less. You can always find a, a, a VITA service, VITA, V-I-T-A uh, service that will allow you to get those, um, get your taxes done for free. And that's one way that you can save money because uh, getting those forms completed can be expensive. So I've never heard of yeah. appreciate yeah. that. And yeah. I've made $56,000 or less before. Yeah. yeah, appreciate that tip. I, have a, I did have a question, though. Um, I guess what would you recommend? Would you recommend, like, somebody doing TurboTax or going to a box store? Or, like, does it depend on your income or if you own businesses? What would you suggest? Uh, that's, that's a great question. I think it's, it's important because taxes are one of those things that if you mess up on it uh, and then you now find yourself in a place where you need help, it kind of becomes, oh, dang, why didn't I get someone at first? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to say, but I'll say because, because there are so many services present, I think using someone else is going to be your best, your best, the best way that you could go. One, because if you make less than 56000 there's this service that I just named. Right. If you make more than that, or if you're, or you're filing with a spouse, it's going to always be better to have someone to, to do it for you, specifically mm-hmm. a CPA, because one, they're a professional who knows yeah. the ins and outs of the tax code, and then two, if there's ever anything that comes up, they now have signed this form, or they're mm-hmm. able to say that I completed it, and so you can come to me and ask those questions. Uh, prior to me knowing anything about this subject or just me preparing to learn more about this, 
I would probably not have known the first thing to say if, uh, if you know, if the IRS came and said, well, why did you do this versus doing that? Um, there are a lot of, like, turbo taxes out there that kind of walk you through. Um, but even with those services, TurboTax allows you that option to say if to pay a little bit more and yeah. to say that if there's uh, something that they will be the ones who will back you. Mm. Uh, and I know it's tempting to say, well, I'm not going to pay that service. I'm just going to pay the, I think it's like $30 yeah, for the service, me. which is <laughs> the basic one. <laughs> uh, that can be tempting, of course, for sure. But you always have to think, you know, how can I do this the safe way and the right way in the event? I need I need more or I need a better understanding of something that that's why those services are there uh, so I would recommend definitely using someone using a, an accountant or or the services that allows uh, someone to help uh, or assist you with it versus trying to do it on your own because taxes can be a very very uh challenging oh, and difficult thing yeah, to, to maneuver for sure. Sure. yeah all right y'all so let's let go back do your taxes. Le- right let somebody <laughs> do your cha- taxes but let's go back to this credit um thing so nashana asks how do you or what does it mean to leverage your credit what exactly is that yeah uh great great topic uh something i i when, when Brittany asked me about speaking on this podcast literally like maybe two days later i was on facebook and someone had a post that said, let me actually see it. Someone, I took a picture of it because I thought it was funny. It says, <laughs> top two tips to repair your credit. One, pay them folks. Two, pay them folks on time. <laughs> um, uh, that was funny to me because I, I don't know. I mean, essentially that is very, very mm-hmm. true. Uh, but there are very, there are many aspects that go with that. Uh, and so, Nishan, if I don't answer your question, just, just tell me. Just tell me I didn't answer and I'll okay. go back. But um, essentially, leveraging your credit means that, to me, what that means is that having a, a credit score that will allow you to, let's say if you want to get a new car or if you want to buy a house, that you could use your credit to say that my credit score is here and I won't, I, I can still get this item, although I'm getting it through a finance, through an agency that's going to finance it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, most people, if you're listening to this, may think, oh, well, I can do that or anybody can do that. Sure, anyone can do it, but what you don't want to do is do it and you're, you're, you're at an interest rate that's like 20% yeah. or 18% on yeah. a car. Uh, you know, uh, surely you can do it, but at the end of the day, are you paying $20,000 more for the vehicle than you could have if your credit score was lower? Mm-hmm. And so... There, there are things that, that factor into what makes your credit score the score that it is. Um, and so, essentially, there are five things. The biggest thing, of course, is going to be, as that joke said, is paying those folks or paying the people on time. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. There are five things. Let me make sure I got these right. There are five things that uh, impact your credit score, uh, and those are going to be your payment history, which means how often are you paying, how are you paying, your creditors uh, and are you paying them like on time whenever you have late payments that impacts your credit score so you always want to try to make sure that you're paying them on time so I wish Uh, you could see Brittany face (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I forget you mean I gotta pay on time I'm like oh they slip your mind though you be like oh that's that budget though Mm -hmm. that's where it comes back to the budget Mm -hmm. so when the budget is late you got to get a calendar uh, alert for your bills, honey. Go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. And so when, the, when the budget is in place, one, you shouldn't, that shouldn't happen where I forgot, where you forgot to pay a bill. And then two, 
it kind of, as someone stated, reminds you that you have this there, that money has to go out. So to kind of give you, I guess, the, the lesson or to give the lesson, uh, everything is on a percent. So 100% mm-hmm. is a whole. And so you have, we have to identify what makes a whole. And so we have payment history, which makes up 35% of your credit score. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the biggest part of your credit score. You have to pay those people on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second thing, which makes up the second uh, largest amount, is the amounts owed. Mm-hmm. And so essentially what that means, what is your debt-to-credit ratio? Uh, how much money do you owe versus how much money do you actually have? Uh, you know that you have at your to to your advantage, mm-hmm. uh, and so what you want or what you don't want to do is let's let's say you have a credit card. Uh, your credit limit is one thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the sake of this conversation. Okay. Usually, you don't want to go over thirty uh, percent is usually so where you want to stay. Uh, I think I, that may not be right. Uh, let's say thirty percent for the sake of this, and if I if it comes back to me, I'll say I'll fix that. I think but it's thirty percent. Yeah, I think it's thirty percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what you don't want to do is you don't want to go over that. So let's say that you, like I said, you have a credit card that's a thousand dollars credit limit. You don't want it to always say, "Oh, I maxed my credit card out." Mm-hmm. When you max out your credit card, your your credit score is. Is, is, is hurting. Yes. When you go over, even if you spend $800 of the $1,000, that's also kind of looked at as if you are in a place where you're almost maxing, maxing it out, mm-hmm. and that also hurts your credit. So essentially, you want to stay at about the 30% of the maximum um, exactly. credit limit that you have on that credit card. And so that, that helps with your credit score when those numbers aren't significantly high. Mm-hmm. Something that also helps that I that I know some people do is with their credit, with their amounts owed, kind of helps with both of these, paying the people on time and their amounts owed, is that um, they'll pay their bills with their credit card. And so this was one, one mm-hmm. thing that... Um, that me and my cousin, me and one of my cousins, cousins did that I think helped with our credit score was that we began to pay our bills with one particular credit card, literally pay all of the bills with the credit card. But instead of just paying it and then waiting for the bill to come from the creditor, so for instance, if I have a bill with, uh, let's say Verizon, I swipe my card, pay Verizon on the credit card, but then immediately after that, I then pay the credit card for that for that amount mm-hmm. and so it does two things one it allows me to say that I use a car and then I paid it on time mm-hmm. um, and so that builds my credit because now I have a good standing with that company um, and so that's one way that some people have used uh, credit to help build their credit score essentially um, three other parts that make up your credit score um, remember there are five I'm sorry Remember, there are five parts that make up your credit score. So we have credit history, or, I'm sorry, payment history, then you have your amount owed. The other the other three parts, uh, one is your length of credit history. So how long have you had those accounts? Mm-hmm. One thing to note there is that if you've had an account for a long time and you may have struggled with this account where you didn't pay it off and, and then sometimes you paid it on time, don't close the account. Mm-hmm. Keep the account open. A lot of people, once they pay a credit card off, will say, oh, I'm going to close this account now because I, I'm just relieved that I paid it off. Yeah, you are relieved, but don't don't close the account. Yeah. That When you close the account, it closes out your list of history, mm-hmm. credit history, and so it kind of like, you know, has thrown away that, that history that you have. And so by yeah. keeping it, yeah. it, it's there. So don't close the account. 
Now, is uh, it correctly? Can you? I, if you can act, answer this question, isn't it? So, so I have tons of credit card. Well, I won't say tons, but a lot of credit cards that I don't close out, but I use them one at least like once every six months or so. Is that correct? Like six months, yes. so that it won't close out the entire credit card. Is it six months? Yeah. So instead of one, it's like recent. Companies have different disclosures okay. that they do okay. for like. For, so it's kind of hard to say like, well, this is the this is what they'll do. Yeah. Uh, one, you can always just call it and ask what's your policy on closing the account. Okay. Some of them don't have it, and then some of them do. But essentially, your credit report. Uh, and please remind me to remind you guys one more thing about credit before I forget. Mm-hmm. But uh, your credit report will still have it there. But if you close it on your credit report, it will say close on right. there. So that's the thing that you don't want is yeah. to close it where it says it on your credit report. Right. Uh, and then the last, the last two things, are the last things that make up your credit score are going to be new credit. That's essentially when you're filing to get new credit, and then um, type of credit used. And those, uh, those two make up ten percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, both, the, both of those are ten percent only. So as I say, the bigger two are going to be your credit, uh, your payment history, and the amount owed. And then the length of credit history is your your third largest one. Um, something to note that I wanted to say before I forget is that um, oftentimes you, you hear those commercials where I think it's, I don't even know the names of them, where it's like, go on this site and get your credit report, pay so much money and you can get your credit report. Yeah. Uh, and people credit. fall for those yeah. credit karma or I think different things like that. A lot of people use those, which is nothing wrong with that, I guess, if, if you are wanting to know it. But something to note is that there's a site called annualcreditreport.com. That that will allow you to pull your credit report three times throughout the year for free, and that's going to be much better because it doesn't. One, it's free, and then two, it it shows you exactly what's on your credit report. It won't give you your credit score, but it will give you a breakdown of what's on what what what's on your credit report that's causing you to have the number, the credit score that you have, mm. uh, and so. Pulling that report three times a year will help you to see. And then, two, if there's anything that you disagree with, you can dispute uh, dispute those charges so that they can come off your credit score or your credit report. Oh, yeah. That's I have a question. So, yes. um, when you see, like, those signs on the highway or on the street or even, like, some of your friends fix on Facebook. Fix my credit. Yeah, like, I got to come back and fix your credit. What are they doing? Are they fixing your credit? Like, what is that about? And is it legal? Can yeah, Can you fix like, credit? Like, what is happening? Like that. Uh, that was, you know, that was a great question. I see those signs, too. <laughs> Oftentimes, like a like a little pick sign that's in, on the ground. And yeah. there's, like, call this number and we can fix. And it's a lot of Instagram uh, influencer fixed creditors. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen people, one of my friends actually said that he used the company and he got his score up to an 800. What are they doing? Yeah, where are they doing? I honestly think that it's amazing if you can use any company that can get your score to an 800 because after it's over, I mean, it is your credit and mm-hmm. it's your information. But the only thing with that is if I use uh, if I use a shifty company, hopefully everyone knows what that means. If I use a shifty company or not reputable company to, to do that, they now have access to all of yes, your information, all information. your, 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 your social security number. Yeah. Your, I mean, your everything. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so they may have gotten your credit score up, but two months later after it's up, when you aren't thinking about it anymore, are they now using your information to get them those items that they want? Mm. And it's not saying that that's what they're doing, but I'm just skeptical in the sense of giving out my very personal, private uh, social security number and other things like that to, you know, a person who kind of like is across the street that says they can fix fix my credit. (laughs) Uh, There are companies out there that can do it, I would recommend that, but that pays more if you're going to go that route. Me personally, because I know those five items that make up your credit score, you know how to um, do it. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna do those things. Yeah, and it's I'm very going simple. To go to AngloCreditReport.com, and then that will allow you to dispute. Uh, and so dispute when you when you see if you see anything there that that you don't agree with, you can dispute it, and then that helps to fix the credit. Uh, but it's always good to have a professional to help you. I would just, uh, you know, stay back or I would look twice before hiring someone who who hasn't, like, you know, properly been trained on how, mm. how to fix it because you just don't know what, mm. you know, there's no liability there. Everything yeah. falls back on you if something happens. Yeah. So last last question, though. Um, can you tell us what is a good credit score? What Around what range can you usually do a lot of things with that specific credit score? Good question, and a lot of things that so. <laughs> I guess yeah, and a lot of things play into go into play when it comes to that too. Yeah, um, and so I, one thing that's that's gonna impact that is like, what do you want to do? Because one person's a lot of things can be very different from another yeah, person's a lot sure. of things. Uh, I'll say best practice is is going to be try to keep your credit score in the seven. If you can get it in the seven hundred you're usually in a good place. So credit scores usually range from 850, which is like the the highest that it can be. Mm -hmm. And I think the lowest is around, some people are uh, like 300. I've heard someone say they were 200, but I don't know if that's possible. I think 300 is about the lowest. So if you're you're somewhere between 690 to 719, Mm -hmm. that's usually considered the good band. Um, Usually credit scores are broken into four bands. You have bad, you have fair, you have Mm -hmm. good, and then you have excellent. And so uh, essentially if you could get anywhere between, I said 700, but 690 is the start of of the good band. And so if you could get yourself to 690, then you're usually in a place where you can do more things with your credit. If you're in the fair range, the fair range ranges from uh, 630 to 689. Uh, that range, if that's not right, I do apologize. I had to Google really fast because I don't know the, I didn't know the ranges uh, off the top, but I think this is accurate. Uh, if you're in the fair range, uh, you will be able to get credit uh, on some things, but you will pay a higher, a higher uh, interest rate. Yeah. And so, if you're in that, if you're in that part, if you're in that range, it's going to be really important to make sure that you're doing the budget and doing all of those things that we have talked about earlier, so that you can find yourself out of the despair and moving moving into the good and excellent uh, range. 
Okay. Well, we definitely appreciate all of the information that you gave us. I learned a lot, especially with the whole taxes thing that I'm, I did not know. I'm going to go back and listen because I wasn't able to take yeah. notes. And I'm going to make Eric listen and he need to take some notes. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We both, we both yes. need to take some notes. No, it was really good. It was very, um, it was a lot of information that we could take home and hopefully our listeners can take home and implement into their life or at least start off. And um, if they need to do more research, um, they can do more research or whatever the case is. But um, so if you want to, you can stay on for the rest of uh, girl, the actual girl listen. And you can give your input on girl oh, listen. We yes. would love a male's point of view. Would you like to stay on for this little portion? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stay here for a little while. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and move into girl listen, Nashana. Um, and real quick, so do you offer any services that you want to promote really quick? I'm you not sure. Your plan to? You are my financial advisor. <laughs> Personally. Uh, yeah, so I do. I do work with Brit uh, right now uh, because I am a, a, a full-time college student. I can't the way I would like. To. Okay. Yeah. However, if there's anyone who who has like a, a question that comes to mind and it's quick, or you don't need me to come break out a budget for you, by all means, feel free to reach out to me, and I can, you know, I can steer you the right way, or at least like give you some quick advice that. Uh, that I use or that I like, advise others to do. Uh, and I guess the best way to reach me, ugh, I'm really bad with social media, which is why I kind of like slow down with that. <laughs> you can try uh, try uh, Instagram, though. Uh, you know, actually, however you reach out to, I guess, this particular um, podcast would probably uh-huh. be better, and then they could get to me because I, I'm not the best with social media right now, <laughs> okay. so I, I, I don't want to say anyone else that. We'll, we'll okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure, just in case. Always plug, always <laughs> yeah, plug. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, girl, listen. Um, so, we have a listener who wrote in. It says, me and my man have been together for about five years. We experienced some infidelity. Oh, child. And he had an outside baby. The ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this, be, this be happening. This is real life. It is real life. real ghetto. We took time to work on our relationship and decided to stay together. Now I'm ready to get married and begin our own family, and I need y'all advice. Should I trust that he's grown and is ready to be the man our family will need? Zoe, yeah. what you got to say? Outside baby. Outside she baby. want to get married. They want to get, or well, yeah, she wants to get married. What you think she should do? She said, well, oh. she just said they've been together for, for five, five years. years. Yeah, not certain when he had the infidelity. Yeah. You're so right. Somewhere in between there, I guess. Yeah, sometime within the last five years. I think if she's under 30, if she's under 35, I would say leave. Mm. Oh, 35. why 35? Why 35? Because that's that baby uh, age. It's not, and it's not, it's not <laughs> to give anyone that's over 35. They're too old. You get a pad. But however... If you're under 35, you're, I mean, you're still pretty young. Um, why are you settling, settling for someone who has been, who hasn't been faithful to you? And if you've been with them for a while, has is this one time or is it something that kind of has been happening mm-hmm. for a while? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that if it's, if these are behaviors that people are doing before you're married, they only deal when you become married. Mm-hmm. And so you maybe signing yourself up for infidelity throughout the marriage versus 
having it this one time and moving forward with someone different. Mm. Yeah, Ooh. true. So, uh, Kira, what did you say? Um, I don't. I. I it. You know, it really depends on her what she can and cannot handle. Mm. I don't. Me personally, I would not want to proceed because in the back of a, in the back of her mind, I'm pretty sure she has doubt, and she doesn't want to like, um, like make that rash decision based off what has happened or transpired within their relationship. But I mean, it's. Only you can tell what she can and cannot handle. Yeah. It depends on if that's what she wants to deal with. Yeah, that's definitely true. I say she should have broke up with him when she found out that <laughs> the he ghetto. Had yeah. I'm with Brittany on that because, yeah. honey, no, no, yeah. I'm not about to. I'm about because you're gonna have to see the yeah. baby, and no, yeah. I'm not babysitting your baby. <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely has to be your babysitting. Baby. Yeah, that no. definitely has to be a decision for you. But baby, if this were me. I could not have done it. I will say that. Yeah. You are a special type of woman. If you can stay in that relationship after um, your man has cheated and had a child you by another woman. It does happen. So, again, this, this one, I think this one is like, we can't give advice on that one, baby. You got to make that decision yeah. because that's very hard. That is very, and don't get me wrong. Some people have outside babies and then they figure out and they actually make it work. But you realistically, it really has to deal with you and being able to move past it. Cause if you can't move past it, you don't need to stay in that relationship. You can't right. keep bringing it up. You yeah. gotta be able to babysit the baby. You gotta be able to take care of the other baby. You can't have it on baby. loop in your head either. Yeah, that you can't not treat the baby right. You, that's your baby too. Now if you're gonna stay with him, yeah. that's your baby. That's your step baby now. And it's gonna be looping in my head. Girl, listen. If you or anyone would like advice about anything, and we do mean anything. Contact us on IG. You can DM, DM us at girllisten.podcast or email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com. All submissions are completely anonymous unless told otherwise. But now it's time for our Black-Owned Spotlight segment, also known as Boss. We love supporting our community and we want to feature and hype our fellow entrepreneurs who are out there killing it. Today we are highlighting Grind Pretty, Founder Mimi J has made an entrepreneurial one-stop shop for all things pretty. Mimi is a celebrity makeup artist that truly grinds pretty. You can shop Grind Pretty clothing, magazines, and my personal fave is the Grind Pretty box. Some of them are limited releases that showcase the best and newest products in makeup, skincare, and healthcare. If you like your black-owned business featured on Girl Listen, or if you have a business to suggest, email us at girllisten20 at gmail.com. 